What's up, everyone? Welcome to Desolation Radio with me, Kieran, and Nath. How's yep. it going, Nath? All right. Good. Good. How are you? I'm brilliant. Thanks. Yeah. It's uh, your first culture it's episode, my first, isn't it? It's my first episode in charge, which yeah. makes me feel very powerful and vulnerable, actually. and slightly vulnerable as well. But it's fine because. Like I say, I'm in charge now. Yeah. So that's fine with me. Like a cultural dominatrix. Yeah. So if you listen to the... Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. If you listen to the last episode, basically the idea is that I'm going to be hosting some episodes where we're going to be talking to artists and writers, musicians, uh, cultural critics in Wales to get a sense of the kind of, of what's going on creatively in Wales at the moment. Dan was originally going to be hosting some of these episodes, but I think he said to me earlier that the idea of sitting in a room with two poets for more than five minutes made him feel <laughs> physically yeah. sick. So Understandable. Yeah. yeah, he decided to... He's like, oh, I just stabbed my lip. <laughs> yeah. And um, he started headbutting the air a bit, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame because we came primed for that. Yeah. yeah. You've brought a switch blade. You've brought, uh, yeah. you've brought a car jack. Big like. stick. <laughs> it's in there. Yeah. I feel a bit nauseous. Well, I'm from Morriston, yeah. so there's. Yeah, yeah, you're you just got to past me. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need weapons. The, the inherent hardness of being from Morrison. <laughs> yeah. From Morrison's. I'm permanently hard, you might yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Which ironically isn't the case, is it? <laughs> I thought it was just as trousers as you were in there. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. So today we are joined by. So, yeah. So we're joined by two actual real life artists, slash poets, slash human beings, we've got with us Reese Trimble, who is a poet, one might say, a scholar, one would certainly say. Uh, he's a chinchilla, he's on all platforms, available all day, every day. Uh, he's published pretty prolifically over the last, how long have you been writing for, Reese? Say, uh, since I was about 20... Seven, so fifteen so 30 years. Thirty odd years then. So, <laughs> <Busted>. <laughs> I just want to say straight uh, in there, busting the chops. Yeah, intensive research in recent years on chinchilla husbandry problems has led to new findings that are of considerable benefit to all chinchilla breeders. So I'll be quoting from this volume: "Diseases of Chinchillas." Did you write that? I did, yeah. Oh, and, and illustrated it. No, I got I got some of my real books here as well. So, what are you... Run us through some of the real books. So, the, the Red Book of Hergest Ward, which is a, Whoa, a, a is treatment it, of... Uh, is, that, is that PC? Is that woke? Is that... I think that's cancelable. <laughs> <laughs> easily oh. cancelable. Which is... It's about... Uh, Apologies to all our listeners. The Red Book yeah. of Hergest and a psychiatric ward in Bangor. So, it's quite... Okay. That's quite a substantial book. Full of words. And then there's the seminal Swansea Automatic, yeah. which is my attempt at a novella set in Swansea. Yeah, and it's, it's all about me. <laughs> it's all about Kieran's life and yeah. dating experiences. That's why it's a novella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey. For those of for those listeners that don't know what a novella is, a novella is a very long book. <laughs> <laughs> For example, Homer's Odyssey with is in a yeah. <laughs> So, Rhys is one of the people we've got. He's also bilingual and, as I say, available on all formats and platforms at any time. Mm-hmm. We've also got Nia Davis, who is similarly a poet and a creative person. Um, recent books are All Fours, England, a, a pamphlet which is actually 
ironically, not about England, but about Wales. And England. Uh, and England as well. Tussling side by side. Okay. Uh, so Nia's currently, well, has been editing the poetry magazine Poetry Wales for the last, what, five years you were doing that? And I've just um, finished, Yeah. just completed my last issue, which is volume 55. Uh, I've been it? going for 55 years and I've been going for five years. And any other fives, um, welcome. Apparently the numerology of five is a five-pointed star, which also refers to the human being spread out. That's what someone told me last night at the poetry gig we were at. Yeah, five, so the importance of five. So and you've done an eleventh of Poetry Wheels's uh, entire output. That's what, yeah. good math. Yeah, no, pretty good. That too, that. So. Good, and at the moment you're working on a PhD on... Uh, ritual and poetry. Rituals. So it's like what type a, of rituals? Midsummer um, type rituals. Yeah. Well, apparently, I've been told the best thing that sums it up is the scene in um, The Wicker Man. Oh God! <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> that one. Actually, apparently, it's the bit in the pub where they sing about the landlord's daughter. Being a slag. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't. I, I don't know. That's a cat. That, we cancelled with that word. What? You can't say slag. No. I was referring to the heap left over from oh, right, on the... Crate and Steel. Yeah. I don't that's, know about that's that. That's what I was referring to as well. Mm. Well, but it's not really just about Wicker Man, it's also about performance and like live, the live encounter of poetry. Um, that's what's interested in ritual and kind of thresholds <coughs> and um, heightened sensual experience. That the <laughs> performer experiences or the Both. audience. It's a, there's a, oh god, no! Don't, I don't think I should get into this. I'm actually doing a PhD, so once sometimes the words the start coming out, yeah, sometimes the lines are blurred. So Whereas, yeah, let's not go. Let's uh, not be. I was talking about this also poetic feedback loop. We do things together, and uh, yes, we've we, got actually a. Uh, we uh, tussle, <clears throat> right, in a sensual way <laughs> and ritual way. Sort of incestuous. <coughs> so one of the fight. things that you've worked on together is Roy Drage. Roy Drage. She's a zine, um, which, is, uh, which is a cover of the Catatonia song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roy Drage. <laughs> or donuts. Seven so cents. It's a revisionist version of uh, the famous Keris Matthews lullaby. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we've got Keris's approval, of course. And um, well, we've done introductions, so. We could maybe move on to actually talking about the thing we came to talk about. Could do. So I thought one way of starting it might be to ask you, really. Well, as you know, Desolation Radio is gritty. It's real. It's real. It's for real. Working class. It's an agitprop. Aggressively communist. Tell the masses what to do. Yeah. Well, not what to do. What to think. How to think. Yeah, what to think. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tell people what to think. Um, So... Given that we're kind of like street level punks, thugs, yeah. you know, we're like the warriors, <laughs> like exactly like the warriors. Mm. I suppose one question to ask, without wanting to sound too antagonistic, mm. is why should I give a shit about poetry? You don't have to. You don't want to. But I've come all the way here now. Yeah, well, you must have had something unconsciously going on to uh, on a quest well, for towards us. Yeah, well, I did have to write here a PhD for a reason. It, so. Do you think anyone's here for a reason? I don't. Kieran, what are you doing here? Um, it's very existential, isn't it? Well, I suppose that's a good place to start, yeah. 
poetry. Uh, it's uh, it's a funny old game, isn't it? Like, uh, is it? Is yes. poetry funny? It's fucking hilarious, actually. Okay. Look at me. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's a funny art form. It's like it's not like pop music, where it's broken into the mainstream. But it's also like pretty fucking primal thing to do. I think so there's a lot of p- practitioners doing it. Some of them angst-ridden teenagers. Some of them mm. communards, and some of them people like us or very into it, you know. But uh, yeah. You couldn't put anything into poetry. Yeah? That's why I like yeah. it. Too. The, the medium of the the like fabric of our existence is language, mm. and poetry is about sort of messing, uh, messing out with that, messing it up, playing yeah. with it, and doing all kinds of things. So we've all got access to that play or destruction uh, if we speak in languages. So it's pretty close to our. Um, it's made in the mouth and in the ears. It's just, it's bants crystallised <laughs> on a page. I, I'm, I'm not going to associate myself with bants. Can both poetry be bants? Can, Can bants be poetry? Turn on his head. Yes. Everything you say in reverse of these is so profound. That's, That's your poetic yeah. impulse. That's, That's a brilliant <laughs> yeah. way to be impressed. Yeah. Just say the opposite. Yeah, which would be very contradictory. Yeah. So, if we're here to talk about poetry, we should talk maybe about... Well, I wanted to talk a bit about what it's like to be a practicing artist today in Wales, right? So maybe you could talk about where, how you came to poetry and what was your the sort of trajectory towards being a poet. Have you always thought of yourselves as creative people and poetry was the kind of obvious medium for that? Or was there some other kind of um, attraction to poetry as a form um... and a medium? Uh, I've taken many forms before I took this one. <laughs> what other forms have you I was taken? a fish, I was an otter, I was a hen, I was a tear in the air. We mean, Llianz Rhys can be in Gysgevrith, be in Deigir and Awyr, be in Seriawser, be in Ponta, Trigir, Archigain, Aber. Sorry, what's happening? <laughs> We've all... We've all been. We've all dropped acid. It was in the cheese. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've taken many forms before I took this one. It's like... Is this a poem or is it you yeah, being... Yeah, it's yeah. Talia. Oh, right. Okay. It, you know, I can't really remember how I got into poetry. Maybe I, I like to tell the story that I was swallowed up. You know, that it started with this, with Talia and got pecked up by a hen and... So this is a poem where there's lots of metamorphoses going on. So you reckon you were metamorphosed, is it? Well, can you remember your first Well, I can remember because I was... Poem? I was like a scientist, and then I had this yearning to do something creative. And I needed something to be wide enough for me to mess around in. And then I was reading, oh my God, it's embarrassing, Bukowski. Right, why is that embarrassing? It's yeah. embarrassing, because he's like I thought Bukowski massive misogynist. Somebody sent me a meme of like... So Bukowski's now cancelled. Do you see it when yeah. you a video of uh, he just like kicking his wife in an interview? What? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. No. Well, she's like, oh, you know, I'm going to sleep around with who I want. He's like, what? He's just like kicking on the sofa. like. So you're not allowed to like <clears throat> Bukowski now? Somebody sent me a meme or something like you, like from a woman's point of view, and you got the, somebody's sad, flat, and get like uh, indifferently 
fingered and then you look to the floor and see a well-thumbed copy of Bukowski's Women <laughs> and let the despair wash over you. It's not exactly a portent of somebody's, you know, gifted so, in the bedroom department. So why were you attracted to Bukowski? Because he talks about his career as a poet and that. Mm. And it's like quite an attractive life apart from all the hoes and bitches he was banging, etc. It's like an interesting lifestyle and he's going to readings, he's creative. He was clearly dedicated to his art, apart from his terrible lifestyle. You know, yeah. something was like attractive about it and then I thought, oh. Okay. The whole Skid Row type thing. Yeah. and the, But he, he would stay up all night and he would like, yeah, his methodology. Yeah, he wrote a novel in two weeks. And he also Which liked, one was that? Uh, Post Office. Oh, I like that one. And then... Wait a minute. You've read poetry? No, no, it's a book. It's oh, a novel, yeah. It didn't even rhyme. It's an interesting one, actually, because Bukowski is somebody who's like, he writes something very accessible, but it's also level of achievement there. So it's like this relationality between art and and uh, relevance, like your first question or whatever. So anyway, yeah, I was reading Bukowski. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do that. I'm going to be a poet now. And I... Was it about being attracted to the lifestyle of being of what it is to be a poet? Or no, I, something about something about he was like he would have a typewriter set up, and he would get drunk, and then he would just type out random lines, and he'd wake up next morning hungover, and he'd cross out the shit ones, and that would be his poem. Like so, he's sort of quite committed. Like and then he's traveling a lot, and he's mm. living this sort of crazy life. You know, yeah, maybe a bit of a bit of both. You know. So is there something about the medium? Can we call it a medium? Are we going to call it a medium or a form or... An art form. An art form. It's quite broad, isn't it? Yeah. We were talking technique. about this earlier. A technique. I suppose another question is, and maybe we can come back to this later, what's the relationship between poetry and other art forms? But, Nia, what was your trajectory? My, my trajectory? I was just thinking about it. And uh, my mum had some books in the house. Uh, and one of them was Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood, and there was a bit where there was like nipples and like sexy bits in it and stuff. And then there's also this bit where someone's telling a fortune. I can't remember. She's like, "Cross my palm with silver," and all these little bits that you're attracted to in the books. And uh, there was the Rattle Bag by Seamus Heaney and Ted Hughes. I like that, and I like rhymes and singing and. Um, I was very interested in the Welsh language, but I never grasped it, but quite liked trying it out in my mouth and um, listening to it. And um, Can't speak Welsh, so can you? A little bit, yeah. Um, You've got an interesting background in the sense that you were not Welsh, but all your family were Welsh, isn't it? Mm. And in Sheffield, that's quite interesting. Yes, I grew up in Sheffield, but my mum's from... Well, my mum also grew up in Yorkshire, but her parents were... Welsh speaking from the valleys, and um, I was quite lucky because they were quite literary. They wrote uh, they wrote books in English and Welsh, and translated from Spanish and uh, French and Russian. Uh, so it was quite literary kind of worlds that I grew up in. But I also think a lot about like school in Sheffield, and like for some reason, when you were thinking that, I was thinking about this, the jokes that me and my friends used to make and stuff. So it's also I feel like the language world. I was like attracted to the the shapes and sounds of language. And then I remember writing a poem when I was about 14 and I knew as soon as I'd written it that it was, it was terrible. So I already had a really bad critical voice coming in. Like, that's shit. 
I, I find that that's the kind of like doing anything creative is, is that kind of struggle of just being like, well, this is a, a shit and then keep going and not giving up. Yeah, yeah. it's repetition. <coughs> like a lot of mundane repetition. That's why I mentioned technique. Yeah, I, I was like on the door in South Obsession. Wales and I just got dumped. And then I seriously started writing poetry and I was like, I'd write a bunch. Decided it was the best thing ever. And then a week later I thought it was the shittest thing ever. And then best thing and the shittest thing. And it went round and round and round for like two years until I'd written something mm. publishable. Because we've got some books in front of us and some of them are quite old and I don't even want to pick them up because they're a bit embarrassing. But I've got a poem here about radio, being a radio disc jockey. And um, it said that I have a yellow snacking collection, a yellowed snacking collection, selection to hand, which um, it's not too bad. We weren't, they weren't too yellow, the snacks that I provided earlier. What snacks? Oh, the ones we've had? Yeah. I'm just trying to think what else. I was going to live in a cave and, uh, oh, I'm just going to find it. You're going to have to... This is, this is a very poetry reading type thing to do, isn't it? Like, well, skim yeah, through this the is book. A, we don't, we don't want to... I don't want any actual poems. That's what I was thinking, suspecting, Kieran, that you would, uh, you were like, yeah, we're going to come here and talk about poetry, but I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll get some poems in, and you were like, mm, no. <laughs> you didn't like it. No, so, <laughs> so I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to to uh, stop that, disrupt your... Why are you so frightened of poetry, Kieran? It's just bants on a page. <laughs> Crystallised bants. Crystallised bants. Crystallised bants. Why are you frightened? That's right. I don't mind like, that kind of Do you of not like fun, Kieran? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you hate fun, Kieran? Yeah, I do cool. love bants, though. Yeah. I can't deny that I love bants. But I, I, I do hate poetry, though, so... It's interesting, yeah. <laughs> Let's say a, a popular... A, po- a populist criticism of poetry... Fine. ...might be that its relationship to language is removed from the everyday an everyday language okay mm-hmm. and that another <laughs> populist criticism of poetry might be that well because it's using often a refined form of language that requires a certain level of understanding of the way that language works or maybe the the way that the form of poetry works and the conventions of poetry you say, is it inherently elitist? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't stretch to say that. I would first of all say, what, why is it a problem that you have something removed from the everyday language? And actually, I would also counter it and say, why is it not everyday in itself? Also, like, any art form has got, like, uh, an informed audience, I think. But as I said, <clears throat> like, poetry has not got into the mainstream for various reasons, like, say... Music as since the fifties, like rock and roll and stuff. So you've got this audience that knows what to expect, song structure wise. You know, people are not idiots. You can't just like apprehend an art form and instantly like absorb it all. And also cinema. Now we're used to like all these jump cuts and like time frames and slow mo and CGI and stuff. Got actually quite an educated audience because we've had years of watching these things. But like poetry is like so niche that the that people fucking idiots will say things like that no offense like i'm just saying like oh why is it refined because we're not gonna make but, it boring for ourselves i don't think you know? it is i think obviously it has its niche parts and its meta parts that, are, that we're dealing with a lot because we've been doing it a lot so there's obviously a lot of poetry that's like quite gonna be removed from the everyday because 
and then, do so much of it and we've gone so far and it's like you know yeah and then like Bukowski for example his poems were like just like Bukowski. really like bants and really that's yeah. ironically that's why I got into it because I could just pick that up and he's talking about some ridiculous thing that happens to him in the bar or whatever I could just pick that up and then I also absorbed some of the poetry which is skillful and really accessible and that is the aim like but it's not always easier to do that you know, you get better at it, and obviously, the temptation is to use some sort of refined language, and then it starts to look more and more, you know, elitist. But it's just like you were play- you were playing around, and it, yeah, to what extent is your art form for yourself, and and what extent is it like you're gonna you can perform it on Britain's Got Talent, or whatever. If you practice in any art form, there'll be parts of it that you're basically cooking up in your like bedroom. They're not for this before you even give it to someone else you're not thinking about the audience well, or you're thinking about your friend you might you might collaborate with or something but then every what I do is every time I think my poetry is gonna be kind of like given to people in some way or another even like a live situation or in a book and I do try to think how it can be like a conversation but not communication <laughs> or a message or anything like that but like if it's live for example, I always think like how how am I gonna like connect to the people in the room? Yeah, and you and might use hmm. a sideways way of doing that, connect, making that connection. In what, what sense do you mean sideways or like connect to the people in the room? Like I wouldn't try and explain my poems like in prose, like take it apart and explain why this works. That it's much better to make someone feel or react in yeah. some way, and you can use performance to do that. You can yeah, use performance. Is you what... can use the visuals on the page, and that goes into your next question about. That's what I yeah, do. Like make the audience make the connection themselves rather than like mm-hmm. spoon feed stuff. Say that again. So like make the audience make the connections themselves rather than spoon yeah, feed Yeah, definitely. Things. Like uh, I when, never... I, when I started out, I was doing like very experimental stuff in like pubs. So I just like got louder and louder until I was just shouting this stuff in their faces. And you can get away with being really experimental then because nobody can ignore but that kind sort of... of unmediated aggression or whatever. But what they're reacting to is your performance in yeah. presence rather than, but then language is coming in at all times this is so. my problem is it but yeah mm. so performance is one aspect of that but at the same time uh, when you're writing a poem on the page and putting words on a page right for publication on the page how much are you thinking about the audience how much is the audience factoring into the decisions you're making about what goes onto the page it depends what stage you're doing it it will come in. The question will come in at some point because language is like this thing that we all share, and it's relational it's about other people. So at some point, I start thinking about other people and how what I'm doing is. So I'm working on a PhD at the moment. And the main point of that is really how is my work research? How is it a knowledge? So that's actually not really necessarily about a wider audience. Although at some point, I'd like what I do to reach other people, but then at other times. You don't want to think about your other person at all. There's like an argument that you are subconsciously thinking about once you, like initially maybe not. Yes, And then once you get them published, you're sort of thinking about maybe a reader's poetry or whoever read your first poem and then you sort of direct it at them on some sort of subconscious level. And then going back to... Maybe subconsciously you were reading and emulating Bukowski to... uh, a lady was interested in... Oh, yeah, that's what I was doing. 
didn't work. I thought that was obvious from the beginning of talking about Bukowski. That's why men read. Men seem to really like Bukowski. I don't know. That's why I'm such a Lothario. Yeah, you're writing for an audience to some extent. The reason I ask is because it comes back to the question of what is the form's relationship with the broader social sphere, right? Well, language is always social, like you're always speaking or using a language that other people will either understand, but you might not be understanding the same in the same way, like words have many different meanings. And that's partly what you're playing with, like that's the level, it's not like language is the social thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that poetry, I think, is like quite a suppressed art form. It's not very contemporary. What? Isn't it? Well, it's not. It's like most people's opinion is what they get in school. Yeah. And it's not like teenagers are not fucking quoting poetry at each other. Well, I don't think they are, though, aren't they? I mean, don't all teenagers write poetry? Yeah, they love Verlaine. Teenagers, no, no, like it's popular at the moment on Instagram and stuff. Poetry, is it, is it depends, right? But you have to think sorry. what, like, what live like are we going to accept the, the yeah. mainstream? Are you going to accept the mainstream definition of poetry? What is the mainstream definition? As of in, like, Julian Clark in the Sullivan's, or I should have started with that question, really. <laughs> yeah, because well, what, is the, what is the mainstream definition? You of say poetry? that poetry is a suppressed art form. You're talking about a particular kind of poetry. Well, any really, even if it's Julian Clark or Instagram poetry, Andrew Motion or in- Instagram poetry, it's just like. Sorry, do you think with like more the Instagram poetry thing is not so much as about like sharing poetry? It's just about kind of being together. Getting, no, no, just you know being a narcissist on social media and trying to paint yourself as like some kind of and virtue signaling. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah I mean that, that's not that's some... the problem with Instagram as a medium. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I don't think that shows... I think it just shows that, like... It doesn't reflect on the popularity of poetry itself. It's it's nothing to do with poetry, is it? It's just like me, me... Yeah, yeah. Do you see that Instagram woman who uh, Instagrammed a bike accident? Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, that was grim. (laughs) Yeah, it was not like... Graham, not in the sense well, of Corey. Wasn't there like product placement as well? Like, like, <laughs> positioned <laughs> yeah. a bottle of water near to her. Sort of... The funny thing on the Instagram is that everyone's just caught midway laughing and they're like... <laughs> yeah. I, le- I heard something that um, kids are like doing fake product placement. They're not even sponsored by these companies. That's what, class. In the hope that the company will... Um... Make them an influencer. Oh, yeah, yeah. They want to look like influencers before they're influencers. So they're fake. They're doing advertising for com- products. Anyway, this is... Oh, my God. Well, it is related to poetry because well, it's it is like... Well, it's politics, isn't it? Oh. We talked a bit about the... Well, no, I don't, I don't think we did talk enough about what, what the mainstream understanding of what poetry is. is. And it is, it is. Yeah. That was yes. a little bit of poetry there. Yeah. yeah. I, I uh, expanded it's, it's, on it. We had a dialogue. I think, <laughs> I think maybe it's worth asking uh, Reese a bit about what, whether those two things are different in English and Welsh, the mainstream perception of poetry. Well, yes. Because in Welsh it's a bit different, maybe. This is the most political thing I do because I've got like two personalities. There's this one, and then there's Reese Trimble, to your Cymru. Yeah, sort of thing. And they're like two minds, and I'm trying to fuse those two hemispheres together. And so, you know, that is inherently political. And then yeah. in, in Welsh, they got like the tradition of uh, um, 
strict meter poetry, which is like a tradition that's gone right a thousand years, and people are still doing it in pubs. So, you know, they, then they got the Esteadvod and things like that, and they got local Esteadvods, and, and people are competing. So it's very active and also sort of classicist art in a way, but also it's done in the pub. And then that does not interpenetrate into the English scene. The English scene is sort of like, to some extent, dependent on the the what the Anglo Welsh scene is dependent on England, isn't it? To yeah, in America. Extent. Yeah, because of well, because of English is like globalness. So what I want to do is trying to get those two things to speak to each other. Really, the two parts of myself and the the two different, quite distinct demographics with their own like attitudes to to you know everything political in Wales to unify. The impression that I got, oh, this is what Karen Owen told me, yes. was that in Welsh... Who is she, Karen Owen? She's a poet, a strict uh, meter poet. Uh, a what poet? A strict meter. She writes in... What does strict meter mean? It means... Uh, strict meter. Um, Just give an example. It's, it's, my, it's my little mission throughout this episode to shut down any poetry at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the strict meter is like Cynghanedd, uh, which is Cerdavod, which means... Tongue music. All right. It's a bit like Kieran. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very. Playing a Tinder profile. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's put this on the profile. So it's like a. Jazz mouth Kieran, like. Yeah, it's jazz mouth. Yeah. Scary about. So it's scat in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do love scat. It does like. It's, no. it's, yeah, it's like scatty. <laughs> It's like a system of alliteration. It's the rocket science of poetry. It's the hardest kind of poetry. It takes you ten years to learn. It's like Lord of the Rings. You, there's all these like levels in it. Pencarth, Carth, Tailey, Family Bar. Well, how do you mean levels? It's not just remembering words. It's like uh, it's a it? language within a language. What? For example, oh no. <laughs> Sumidiane, Samados, Caraidol, Druntol, Adrus, Codir Glicked, Wichedig, Thefor Porthor, and Thor Dig, Ganvernig, Wien, Fernol, Colwyn of Eun, Kilion, the All. Reese has just raised a demon in the. <laughs> Actually, we did this, uh, we have yeah. raised a demon. Oh, there he is now. Yeah. Hail we, did we did it last year in Manchester. It's a bit. So it's a bit scatty. Yeah. yeah. But it's got this system of alliteration, so well, it's very low, musical. It's, it's like, like music. I've got it? a good question that I've been yeah. thinking about for years. You know, if you rhyme something and the word at the end of the sentence has to rhyme with the next one, is there such a thing where the word just before the end of the sentence rhymes? Is that a thing? Probably, but I'm. It's not, not official it's thing. The sort though, of thing it? that I could so like, back maybe, here in my notebooks. But I was like, maybe I made up a new form of poetry. So you just you just rhyme the word the word just like, before the last one in the sentence, word in the, yeah, with the yeah, start of the next one. Uh, no, got a really nice literary or two rhymes term. at the end, like yeah, there no, no, it should just be like I can't even think of one. But yeah, there'll be, like, there'll be a terminology for that, which uh, we will insert after <laughs> post production. <laughs> can yeah. you can you do one? No, off the top Let, of my head. Let's hear your flow, Nathan. That's personal, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. You get a topical uh, cream flow. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, it's been years since my slam poetry days, where I did slam something. Oh, that's very interesting. Because mm. slam, though, is something 
it's taking your point of view, Kieran. Yeah. Or not the, the devil's advocate, Kieran. Yeah. And then applying that back to poetry, saying why can't it be like you know normal speech? You know, as far as rhyme couplets are like normal speech, which mm. is not at all. But you know, it, it's like it's trying to be anti-elitist in a way. Do you agree? But with it, use, that? Yeah. it mostly uses rhyme to do that. So but it's like trying to be to more straight elements. It? Just... It's d- deliberately avoiding elitism to, in a sense. Do all the best poems rhyme? I hate rhyme. Why? It's for cunts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like um, not in a good way. I like rhyme <laughs> in the vic- but no, not really since nineteen twenties or something. No, I don't like rhyme after. No Gerard. rhyme. Does. You can't do rhyme after Gerard. So rhyme has basically gone out of fashion. But no, then does, actually, does, I like rap and I like. But then doesn't it create rhyme. a rhythm within the, within the text by rhyme? No, of course, there's also like rhythm and rhyme. Yeah, when you're using rhyme and rhythm all the time, but you mean like regular, like do do. No, just words sounding the same. Well, that's happening all the time, yeah. Because you're using you're making a rhythm in, in, in from Welsh. The sounds, it's all like, like half rhymes. Oh. This, this is like a sort of poem about farming or something. So it's nothing to do with demons. So it's madus drus wichiedig dig So it's half rhymes all the time. So it's like more sophisticated than just whole rhymes. What's a half cat, rhyme? Which is like just the end of the rhyme. Just the end of the word is matching. Let me think of an example. Or sometimes, yeah, so you could have uh, foot and food. That's a half rhyme. Oh, that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. But it's like, I think poets now are using rhyme all the time, and like, but they're, they've broken it up into millions of pieces. But whereas, like, the Victorians would do, like, a regular beat. Do, do, do. Was, was that, in a sense, just kind of push it forward rather than just everyone rhyming all the time? Like a... What do you mean? Well, in terms of you saying that the Victorians used rhyme, but then in a case that, like, you know, that's how you move forward with, like, an art form. Is well, it, at the you know, time, when, the, like, Gerard Manley Hopkins, well, actually, he did all kinds of different new kinds of rhyme, and, like, Tennyson was a bit more regular kind. Those kind of, like, rhymes were, they were pushing their boundaries at the time. They were, like, the avant-garde at the time, but now they read, like, the canon, like, heavy, well... So Gerald Manley Hopkins doesn't really, but like Tennyson, I don't know. There's all kinds of rhymes in there. There's like dog, frog, God. frog. Yeah, I was gonna go with Log. cat, mat myself, but yeah, bog, cog. Nine, ten, a big fat hen. The name Bender. So we started talking about strict meter poetry in Welsh and the fact that despite how technical and actually difficult a form that is to master poetry in the Welsh language and I think you were sort of suggesting that in Welsh language communities more generally in Welsh language society poetry is more mainstream than it would be in the Anglophone sphere yeah despite how complex some Welsh language poetry is and the fact that in English language communities, let's say, in the Anglophone world we live in, whether that's Instagram poets or whether that's, you know, the like snippets of poetry you see on Twitter or wherever else, which is a very, very, very <laughs> basic form of verse, if we can even call it that, often. I think, is it fair to say that, some, you know, the most popular poetry in the English language is some of the simplest poetry? And what is the significance of that? I think it's impossible to say that. I don't know. Like, like the first thing that came to my head was that um, 
Uh, that David Lynch film with the... Uh, a Razor Head. No, I've not seen that yet. I'm waiting right, to be uh, ready for it. Give me clues and I'll try and guess it. Um, there's like a sexy couple on the road and oh, yeah. um, um, Nick Cage is in it. Inland Empire. No, no. Nick Cage is in it. Oh, no, that's... Um, it's um, Wild Hearts. Wild Hearts. But anyway, that's... I remember when I first watched that it was only like two years ago, but there's like loads, there's loads of the dialogue's really poetic, and um, it's really complex, and so I don't know. But if you could David say... Lynch is not a mainstream filmmaker, right? The thing is, is, I mean, okay. No, but it's I'm talking about film do. as a mainstream thing. I don't know. I don't like that. It just came to mind. For example, I can't answer the question. I'm, I'm not. I'm thinking like haikus. Yeah, I mean oh. they're very simple and popular. Mm-hmm. But then actually, while strict me to poetry, it's a bit like addictive. It's a bit like crossword puzzles. It's a bit like um, programming or something like that. It's so geeky, right? Or even playing a musical instrument, which is very. Uh, it's got its own momentum, so that's that's partly mm-hmm. why it's got this old tradition. But people get into it. And it's also like a paperless memory system, so they can remember. They can remember the start of the line. They can usually finish it because it's got strict rules, and you can learn tracts and tracts of poetry. So it's got its own like addictive, geeky it's thing also, to it. So I think it's quite reductive. To so there's, say. there's like a science to it, is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, but I also think it, it's it's beautiful. But we had a discussion earlier about whether we can talk so, about beauty. Okay, so about popularity I, and I think it's very beautiful. You know, it's like very reductive to say. Yeah, this is uh, this is Pleasure, the, this is the non-artist saying this is not very popular, is it? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. When I listened to your Raymond Williams podcast last the other day, uh, that you did on on Desolation Radio. How would you rate it? Um, top top thing that Kieran's ever done, <laughs> <laughs> except for his dating. Super uh, super awesome. Super awesome. No, um, you said. Oh yeah, that's right. You, there was something lacking, maybe in the discussion about culture, which I thought was there, there wasn't much pleasure involved or joy in in that conception of culture. It was like, like, but I, I'm not. I don't know much about Raymond Williams, but I think maybe that was another thing that like I wanted to bring in was like the enjoyment of like Kunhanith or the enjoyment of like a lot of this playing with language is is like quite a fundamental like sensual embodied experience. Uh, mm-hmm. So play and is playing with language an everyday thing? It is, yeah. Yeah. For example, banter, yeah. There's lots of like Jokes. complicated things we were discussing. Like South Wales, they love like quite a lot of redundancy and saying in it or whatever after yeah. things. So there's like the signal to noise ratio is quite like <laughs> Low or high, whatever it is. So you're just like using things to reflect. You're just like singing almost. It's just like this. Oh, I did this. I fucking fucking did this. Blah blah blah. You know. It's like mm. it's all it's all playing with language to get your point, to make emphasis, yeah. to make yourself seem like this or something like that. You know, everybody's doing that. Like, and it's part. Is it partly about speech cadences as well? The rhythm of the way that you speak. And so sometimes you need. Filler words. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's to, uh, to yeah. give yeah, to give your speech a rhythm and give it scansion and give and allow it to flow. Don't you have you have filler words though, because it's um the way you kind of uh, speak is, is is hard to go from one word to another, so you kinda of put a filler in like um, No it's, no, it's about poetry. Is it okay? <laughs> it's just how, how I mean, poetic the human race is, yeah. <laughs> Actually Roy, Roy Drage, the, the the pamphlet that we've done in collaboration with each other 
there's a lot of things borrowed from overheard things that people said in yeah. South Wales, particularly what men in South Wales said. We get said. this idea from our friend Stephen Hitchens, who's a master of this. Yes. Uh, he lives in pont de Prix, so he gets all this, like, class chat, you know. Yeah. So it's like found material poetry. Yeah. yeah. And then you, this is like, also mixed with some David Jones. Can you give me an example of some of the, like, everyday language you picked up then? And I'll judge as to well how everyday and real it is. Okay. Yeah. She said my men looked older, what with their midlife hard-ons. How else her iconography, David? How other his liturgy? So this now, yeah. I'd flash surf grind and stuck my surf burger in his bun. <laughs> I think I'm overdoing it on the surfing mind. There's some dating particles on my buddy's fingers. Good luck with that. Etc. All overheard in thin Kimla. But we also pulled some other things in, like from print. So there's like some collage material from other people's poems, like David Jones. That's what came into that bit. Oh, my, my enemy will be on that. I've got an enemy. You can start a beef for them as this is the official platform to start all beefs. He's already, the beef's already started. Well, you know, make it, yeah. make it official, you know. Yeah, like, if you call me a fucking phony poet again, I'll be fucking around your house. Uh, I'll shout poetry at you in an aggressive manner. Do it through a letterbox, can you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, open a flap and fucking launch some you... modernism at them, like. Who did you plagiarise? David Jones. David Jones, allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. So poetry, if poetry isn't about being a mainstream form, or, or even... It's not about worrying too much about audience and popularity. What is the what's the function of publishing poetry or poems? What do you hope as an artist, right? What do you hope to achieve with that or This has got very parental, isn't it? When you've just told yeah. your parents you want to be a, a poet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, trying to it's so hard fucking hard it's to like, it's like, like find a way of like obviously I'm being devil's advocate right yeah you gotta yeah. be but it, it's so hard to find a way to have this conversation in a way that's like makes sense to the form the format and yeah, it's like that. You know that Monty Python sketch where the family are all artists, and then the son goes off to be a miner. <laughs> like, oh, God, why are you doing this? <laughs> it's, it's a bit like that, never. So we were talking about audiences and the context of publishing, and whether how f- much you feel it's important to to publish. Is publishing signif- a significant part of your work? You know, you're both performance poets. Presumably, the performance is an important aspect of what you're doing. But um, so, given what you were saying about the audience not being a huge factor in terms of your practice, and that's yeah, that's not on. what I said. I said I meant that it's not going to be in your mind all the time. But right. It will because we're social human beings. It's obviously like mm-hmm. you're exchanging your work all the time with other people, but you tend not to think about your reader. Until a little bit, you know, like you can't otherwise, nothing gets done. Like you have to create and write without always thinking about your value in the in the wider world. Yeah, and unfortunately, like in the sort of current economic system, you're always encouraged to think in terms of like yeah, products and what might 
get me some kind of value and and it's like really hard to sometimes actually think no I can I can delay that thought for a while you can't delay it forever but why it's been good to like my point would be why off. can't you delay it forever is that you, you talked about creativity and the act of creation I suppose and writing and so how how important is publishing yeah. to what you're doing I think it, yeah you can't delay it forever because at some point I want to have an exchange with other people and sometimes that might be on the page in a book, in the form of a book, or it might be in a performance. Or, but it's not. It's like in, it's like you're flowing back and forth. You're like oscillating between the other and yourself. I don't know. You might have a completely different idea, Reese. If it's if it's like a niche art form, you you just like, it's a completion of the project to publish it. I think too, it's no longer your responsibility. Then uh, it's a finished thing that other people can read. So that's all I think about. I mean, I don't expect millions of people to read it just because of the things I said about the limitations of poetry. It's not like it's not like uh, pop music or whatever, is it? Uh, and some things it's good to like sit. So I've got loads of things that I might not publish that are sitting there, mouldering away. And then, and then publishing, you know, with a press has got an elitism. I was thinking about this today. And what you're countering with, like, a zine, like, this thing that we just, like, sewed up ourselves and by throwing shit on top of a photocopier is to do the DIY aesthetic, um, which is, like, against elitism, against, like, this uh, commercial idea. Mm. You're just, like, disseminating, like, the pure idea is, is the... Like but we thought, or whatever, yeah, or like we that. thought about the form of the zine and the history of the zine and what that was a bit. And but I've also published a book with Blood Axe, which is fairly and then, and then we went to the zine fest. publisher. So and all, and all each the, thing's got a different route, maybe. Yeah, all the, and all the kids in the zine fest were doing these things about like how they were self harming or <laughs> with, with cartoons and shit, and we were in there doing this punk thing, and they're like. And you can't see it on the thing, but it it looks particularly like grass and ugly, whereas theirs are all very beautifully designed books about how they they like anxieties. It's it's not uh, a kind of takeaway from self-harming as being serious, but it is one of those things that a lot of kids connect with, isn't it? It's like, oh, you wouldn't understand. Like, everyone does it, though, like type thing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... uh, but you are from Bridgend, so it's yeah, really yeah, that's true. Better than anyone else. So <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> cut that out. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, cancelled no. again. Cut, cut that rest out. <laughs> I might. Um, <laughs> I, I so at times I might have something that I want to say or present, which might I might want to do it for a bigger audience. Okay, that's partly where that I was going actually, with that question. I it? actually, you know, I wouldn't mind, I don't know if Reese is like this, but I wouldn't mind writing a book that was maybe going to reach more people or writing for TV or something. It's not happening now. The thing is, this never happens. I always think that one day I wouldn't mind doing it. But then you tend to kind of get caught up in what's the most um, fun at, or like compelling at the time. Yeah. Whereas, like, when you are writing for like a commercial or a bigger audience, like, there's so many restrictions on your creativity. But sometimes restrictions are really fun. But if I can get away with no restrictions and doing this sort of thing for as long as possible, that would be good. But I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I wouldn't mind writing a popular book. I wrote this thing, yeah, and I agree with that because 
the Swansea and the Matic, I thought it could be like a cult book. <laughs> so, you know, like the big Lebowski, where they started watching that, like, yeah. years after. If I can just get, like, 20 people obsessed with this book, you know, then it might, like, carry on and have a little society doing it in 20 years. I think you've got one or two obsessed with it. Can you imagine, <laughs> actually, like, in a thousand years, people have based societies on it? Yeah. It's like, it's just really on, like, it's like biblical, like, it's got some pyramids yeah. and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But, like, uh, what else about publishing? Oh, yeah, like, I had this academic interview, and they wanted me to say, oh, what, what career will they expect after they've done creative writing? And I was like, how the fuck do I tell them this? I, so Wait I, a minute. I, so the, the interviewer asked you they in, in an academic interview. Yeah. They, they said, do a presentation on what the students can expect as a career <laughs> after Aww. doing a degree in creative writing. And they wanted me genuinely to say to them, like, oh, you're going to have this amazing career. But what I said instead was like, basically, you can be like doing something for your wage and your living, like working in Tesco or whatever. And then you're doing something else for your fulfillment. That sort of thing. So, you know, and that and writing creatively is going to fit all those. And then the more experimental you are, the more play you got, the more fulfillment you got as an artist. And you know, then the more commercial you got, the more. I I think that plays into sorry, just like how reductive universities are. Like you know, it's it's not valued for the sake of it makes you feel good or it connects people. It's just like literally, what is this? Like yeah, that's not ideally how we want universities to be. No, asking those questions. But I mean. what it's like now and sadly it's like uh, so not having to like adhere to the <coughs> demands of commercial the commercial scene and commercial publishing and and popular audiences and big audiences and the rest of it allows for more freedom you're sometimes grouped together or grouped among <laughs> other writers in wales under the kind of banner of um the avant-garde and maybe of a current to borrow current terminology innovative writing innovative poetry where do you feel you sit within that I, just, I don't think I think it's just the most interesting poetry you think avant-garde writing is the most interesting no I wouldn't use I wouldn't say I'm an avant I, well I usually this is definitely how me and Reese disagree but I would definitely say that I just am drawn to what I find most interesting and I love and it's usually quite often termed as avant-garde stuff, as a reader and a, as a viewer. Yeah, you're different from and, me a um, bit, but I was like a fascist though, wasn't I? Yeah, you're much more strict about this is avant-garde. I'm starting to chill out now a bit. I was like, well, I was like strict avant-garde, like everything else, main screen shit, and all that, one yeah. of those, okay. those geeky. <laughs> so what was your idea of what avant-garde was? Well, well I sat to this is another thing. It's like, there is a like conservatism in poetry and I was like against that and only only in the UK there's this split between experimental and like traditional yeah. lyric stuff so whereas like all like in America and stuff it's all one you know yeah there's not much more like because we've got a particular history here of like heavy very very conservative dominated school curriculum and... it's all like nonsense and like avant-garde is a historical term talking about the front line so at the time, they thought in the turn of the 20th century that they were the pioneers, that they were doing the most original thing. And obviously, that's an anachronistic term now. It's gone. Like So we are looking back at history. So we can hardly call ourselves the front line of intellectual thought. And yet, these techniques are sort of ignored, and there's the most play in them. 
and the most potential to create new ideas like cut up for example you get a bunch of text and you mix it all together and then you come out set up a ransom note then yeah that's right yeah so i'm going to send to my enemy (laughs) i am uh i was editor of poetry wales up until the summer so five years on it and um i just put everything i was interested in and liked and enjoyed or found surprising or challenging or whatever and that was a mixture of like stuff that's mainstream and avant-garde which maybe I would translate that more as being like um, poetry that plays with form and the material aspects of how a, of language in a really like so it's more about the experiment or poetry that's a bit more about like what it says or it's a bit more kind of conveying a more like conventional uh, communicative uh, transparent kind of like discursive way and I like both of those modes you can flip between them can you and stuff, yeah. yeah but there is like some really boring stuff that dominates like a lot of our mainstream there is something it's so dull fr- so freaking boring but it's the is the dull boring mainstream stuff you know is it actually more popular um, it's difficult to say. I don't because, think it is. Well, no. well, it gets more. If you're in with Faber, say, then you. I don't think you sell more copies. And and somebody was saying to me, you can release a book in Welsh, and you'll still sell four hundred copies, because people yeah. club together and they support it. Yeah, as in you, whether it's <coughs> main, so-called mainstream or so. Well, just you can do. You know, <coughs> people like write in English because they think they're hitting more of an audience. But apparently, you say. You sell the same number of books. What's the um like two four four hundred we could. What's the magazine in Welsh which is poetry in most of its in Canhanedd? Tom Morris. Um Barthas. That one Bar- Barthas was like selling more copy well, it's like the second best selling magazine in the UK of poetry. I think at some point, I'm not sure if that's still true. So because it's just got such like a ready audience for it. In a yeah, sense. people are really like keen to have a go, and they want to put their poems in. It's like, uh, but we've gone off track. No, I, I think that's yeah. an important point, and that kind of leads vaguely in the direction I was hoping to go, which was to ask: Well, is the what's the significance of, you know, it, it, given that poetry is an important form of the Welsh language, what's the significance of? Um, Welsh poetry in the English language or English language poetry in Wales, however you want to frame that. Is there a different, you know, as artists practising in Wales, do you feel there's a different context writing as a, an English as English language poets in Wales? I know you're bilingual, Rhys, but whether you feel there was a difference if you were an English language poet practising in England, are there any differences? Well, I is do, there a different readership in Wales, or you know? I do both. So, well, we about, don't. You know, we don't. You don't have to answer the que- that question. No, but right? I just think was... about it a bit. Like, well, I'm just gonna, like in my PhD, I'm trying to talk about mixing the languages, just to get a bit of Welsh in there and there. And um, the two languages, like Welsh, is so small, and English is so big. 
it's difficult to, to mix them up. And the two languages sort of repel each other. So, like, the Welsh speakers, like, on an island, and they don't... They sort of try to be purists if you're speaking Welsh. The only way to speak it often enough is to sort of ignore the dominant culture. And then if you're, an, say, an English writing poet in Wales, you have to ignore... You have to make something of a political decision to ignore Welsh, really. I think if you're an Anglo-Welsh... I've got, I might answer this question by talking. I've got two projects that I'm doing now. One of them is um, about Yorkshire and writing it with my friend from Scarborough and I'm from Sheffield. And it's kind of about um, Brexit in England. and mm. It's called Ooze Disco. Ooze. In fact, on the shelf up there, you can see a box of slime which um, Amy Macaulay, who I'm writing it with, um, gave me. It's about sticky, f- sticky floors on disco, isn't it? Is yeah. it? That's no. still interpretation. So that's one thing that I'm doing. And then the yeah. other thing is called Mama Yaith, which is like a project. It's like an embodied poem performance that I'm thinking about um, this book that my grandmother wrote in Welsh called Advelion Babel. That's the last sentence on the wall there. Um, it's kind of about how I find it kind of really frustrating that I can't read the book that she wrote. And um, but I'm trying to read it slowly. And, and it's kind of about my relationship with Welsh and about um, difficulty and challenge. And, and, with that, and it's a book about language. So it's about um, how like, language is made in the body and about bilingualism and... Or yeah. my lack of bilingualism. So Mama Yaith is like Mam and Yat well Mam Yaith would be mother tongue, but it's not my mother tongue, it's my mother's tongue, but not my mother tongue. So in the ah would be like a gap or like a breach you can't reach across. Yeah. Which is also a bit psychoanalytic. Well so yeah, I'm doing the same sort of thing, trying to mix it to multilingual poetry. And it just shows that, that there's this split, there's this fissure in the country which is not really talked about. It's like you're either in one camp or the other. Reese is one of the only people that, apart from maybe David Greenslade or maybe. Erish Ample, Stuyn Sushoy Gamrai, Gruan, Sitting Tame Law. How do you feel when I do that? Like, it's quite weird, isn't it? You did it so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Stuyn Sushoy Gamrai, Gruan, Sitting Tame Law, Echaman, Revev. It feels like a transgression for me to do it, like. And yeah. it, that that is there, like, and it's like, in North Wales, Welsh is like a working class language, mm. like a kid's outside spa, again, insulting each other in Welsh, and getting bit baked in Welsh and mm. whatever, shagging in the woods and burning trees in Welsh, whatever. And in South Wales, it's a different situation, it's more like a bourgeois language, and there's all these splits, and then, you know, that is reflected in the poetry, so maybe. Yeah, and uh, on um, my Tori Rung Saisnig, Right. Um, the oral yawn, that tension that you're switching, code switching, the tension it creates is quite interesting. Yeah, whereas like a... I'm looking at like um, Chicano poetics in America, like, and then that's more of a parody, I think, like in Spanish. So they're able to code switch, so they're switching back and forth the people of Mexican de- descent, and that's gone into like a form of poetry. So I'm trying to force. But it's more dramatic in Welsh and English. Like, if you start dropping Welsh in, people think, oh, 
Yeah, you're summoning a demon. It's like, it's mm. like this is like the World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I first heard what compa- have I brought? Companics, yes. I thought it was the most beautiful. I felt so moved. It was Eirik Salisbury reading a poem or reciting a poem in Kunhanith. Mm. And um, I thought, I was so moved, I like nearly cried. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And it turned out it was about his hairstyle. <laughs> oh, that went about his quiff. <laughs> yeah, about his quiff. <laughs> Maybe I was just a bit like. There was a chip shop in Bethesda called the Marvin Ogion, and I nearly wept to that. Marvis Clodion. And the other side of Kieran's question about writing in Wales or being a Welsh writer or whatever that is, um, or a Sheffield writer, um, is like, I think it's also space and place and where you are. And um and also the particular like political situation of here, so that's also going to affect how you're writing, and that might make you kind of like Swansea's a very particular place, like a weird place. So uh, the yeah. boundaries, right? The boundaries between what you're writing about, what it's sometimes it's about what the object of your of your poetry, like what you're interested in at the moment. I happen to be interested about in this bilingual history my grandmother, but equally I've been writing about like Henderson's relish and doing weird rituals with um, Sheffield roadmaps with Amy. So like the question of like read or like identity and place sometimes is about, it's so you're just, like switching between the two things or three, four, five, six things all the time. That's what this was about a bit as well. Sorry, I've gone off on a but I wanted to talk about, I think that that's, it's not just about the, the language, it's also like where we are in well, place. So that kind of leads me to a question I was hoping to ask to kind of wrap things up, which was, and I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this, but do you consider yourselves Welsh writers? How do you approach the problem of Welsh? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I was just going to say, like, uh, when I hang out in England, uh, English poets are like, they avoid, they like the plague. It's like, you poet, and they're like, uh, I write poetry. And they're quite, like, nervous about it. Uh, Welsh people are like, yes, I'm a poet, and I'm a Welsh poet. But yeah, you've got, like, this bardic thing going on as well, which I play on a bit. So I'm banging my stick and stuff, and then people are like... Uh, thou shall not pass <laughs> when I'm walking down the road and all that. So there's like that persona in the Welsh thing, which may translate over into English poetry. So yeah, I would say yes. Obviously, I'm a Welsh yes. writer, but obviously these are the parts of my personhood. Poet or writer, like from Sheffield, and yeah, poet and writer. Yeah, they just because but they? we haven't talked about writing. We talked about poetry, so have a bit of go of prose, isn't it? We yes, will. we write essays. We yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I didn't want. I didn't want to like end on identity because it's like okay. Yeah. Obviously, like I'm a Welsh writer and a Welsh poet. Yeah, like, keep it simple. There's yeah. other things going on in what I identify with. So, like feminist, feminist, feminism, Olympic gymnast, Europe, yes, yeah, awesome. Europe, yeah, embodied. Like the soft version of gymnastics, embodied embodiment. What do they call that um, thing when they just jump around? Is it a floor show? Dressage. Oh, 
We haven't even mentioned... That's <laughs> little horses. And, same yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Animal energies. Ecology. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'd like to think of... So you're saying you're not defined by your Welshness? You're saying you, you, you transcend labels? Some people call me a shaman. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Why am I happy? I'm, um... I just summoned a demon. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm interested in rituals. For, for me, the performance is like a ritual. And it is. some say that, that it can heal you in a way. Or like, a, I'm quite good at getting the whole room. Heal you or the audience? Or me, fuck the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the most recent thing that I'm interested in is like ecologies and like land and and obviously because like when it's like climate crisis uh, so I'm also interested in how you know like the really like most basic thing like where I am here and like how my writing responds to the kind of like the very material like around me and like not just like the soil and atmosphere and stuff but also like the people in my community so I'm interested in how um, I connect to community and, and land so that's like and that's like a whales within that's like an identity like down to the most like small atomic there's like all these different bits that I would also say that you know I'm European and microphysics yeah it's uh... you're a, um, a former biologist I used to be a biochemist let's give it up <laughs> uh, yeah it's like uh, what did you say again? Something about, like, land and ecology. I haven't got a way. Oh, yeah. That's a new interest, so I haven't got a way of talking about it So I'm interested in animism in the Anthropocene myself. <laughs> moments. Are you taking the piss? No, I, I just write things, eh? My... But I, I was just going to say about, yeah, being politicised as well, because, like, mm. I sort of not get accused of, but accuse myself. Why am I not, you know, why are you not, like, directly involved in politics now that everything's fucked and Brexit is here and stuff but then but that's that's a question probably everyone's asking then like, I go, how can I be I go to protest how and, possible? I, and I shout medieval Welsh through a megaphone and that's my way right, like how it. possible I'm always asking like what what is this intervention in the in like the polis or in like the society or is this sometimes you like don't want to be like making an intervention all the time. So it's that constant question about how to be political. And the poet's role is to record everything and to summarise the nation's ideas for them, in a way. That's one of the community jobs you got. Like, so that's what you're trying to do, is record, like, what is going on. Like, it's one of your duties. They're like Desolation Radio, then. Mm. Exactly. Like Literally. Desolation Radio. So that, does that actually make Dan... A poet. Yes. Yeah, I. It's a working class one more poet. thing that I'm interested into it is like a poesis, like poetry making after destruction. So I like the like desolation radio as an idea that like we create something after the disasters happen. I've got a self-destructing poem. I think desolation radio is the disaster. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is the event and the after, isn't it? Shambles. Yeah, yeah. Pigs I always like the idea of just like you know, like the kind of in a nuclear wasteland, like in a radio tower type thing. That's how I see myself. That's how it feels. Yeah, it, it does, doesn't exactly it? Exactly like poetry, is it? I think mm. we probably get the megaphone out to uh, make that point. Actually, yeah. mm. maybe not while I'm wearing headphones, though, because uh, my ears will bleed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got this um, like 
sacred object. Yeah, that's us. Oh, yeah. That is So, thanks for that. So, yeah, I think we can wrap up. That was really um, eye-opening. nice. It was lovely. Um, We've got a wine and cheese out to commemorate this. Well, I think partly, yeah, I am full of cheese at the moment. But um, we've got more wine and cheese to get through. So, thank you, Nia Davis and Miss Trimble, for your... Oh, shit. Thanks, Kieran. (laughs) And Nathan. Yeah, thanks. So, as, as is tradition, do you have any beefs or shout outs that you want to give on this platform? Which is heard by everyone. Do you want to start any beefs? Do you want to, do you want to complete any beefs? Hmm. Or do you want to do give a shout out any to anyone? in the bin. Or shout outs, yeah. Lost mm. for words. How ironic. I'm going to give a shout out to Dan, who is now, we can categorise as a poet. Yeah, we can. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to the film Patterson. Uh, by Jim Jarouche. It's a really good film about. Uh, it's a lot of poets, isn't it? Yeah, and a bus driver. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I've seen that. Good bus good. Driver. Yeah, it's really great, actually, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. And also a shout out to uh, Nintendo's and Kurt Russell. Um, I might give a shout out to uh, Lynette Roberts in, in The Grave. I don't um, think she can hear this. But... No, but um, this has got a really great Macintosh on the front of Poetry Wales, which has been obscured. But um, I just really like this Macintosh that she wears in the portrait of her. So I want to say thanks to her from uh, across, you know, inter-realmic. Yeah. Inter-dimensional. I don't know what you mean by that, really. Mm. I'm glad we're actually trying to push the occult stuff with um, the pod, because that's been my, my, you know, goal from the start, is to really just make this... No, the the only meaningful art form is realism, and we can't cross (laughs) inter-dimensional boundaries. Mm. <laughs> Reese, do you have any shout outs or any spirits uh, you want to summon? Yeah, I don't know. I, I do hate a lot of mainstream poets, but I won't mention them. Why not? <laughs> I was just saying today, like Gillian Clark's a bit like the Emperor from Star Wars. She a bit. You, you know, said that. Let know. the hate flow! <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, and a shout out to um, my Beatrice Katie. So that's somebody stalking. I also yeah. want to shout out to um, Shoned P. Rowlands because I haven't seen her in ages and I want to have a catch up. Yo, yo. Missing. Okay, there we go. Obviously, you can just text these people to yeah. say these things if you want to, but. Can no, you can't. No. no. Yeah, it's not officially after apply. So, to wrap up, you can buy the new Desolation Radio t shirt. Are there any? Oh, yeah, you can. There are. Um, so, it depends when you're listening to this. If it's somewhere far in the future, there's probably none left. But if it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah. roughly September 2019, uh, 2019, yeah, we're, th- so we were going to put the order in earlier, but now like there's an issue with um, supplying the oh, mediums. Yeah, I got a art oh, Time's gone now. Oh, no, 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 fuck you. Okay. I went 33 and I got badges. Yeah, I've, I've made them. We're going to make yeah. a school as well coming up in the future. You're going to make a school? Yeah. Poetry school. Okay. Be popular. That's good. Well, keep us informed about that. Um, back to the t-shirts uh, anyway, yeah, so you can yeah. pre-order them on um, Big Cartel I mean Big Cartel Destination Radio and it's a, it's a dragon holding a saxophone and not a gun as some people have yeah, it's probably, <laughs> I thought it was a flute yeah it's both it depends it's one of those like magic eye things way, yeah which, which way are you looking at it which either way it's a phallic up? object like I really need to break wind I only have you can smell something at the at the station Wales. Yeah, follow the station Wales. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Hi art, everyone. Hi Sorry about the hummus, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks so much. See ya. <laughs> hey Jenny, hey Wayne. I don't even like wine, but guess what? You're gonna like it. I need some cheese. Steve, what kind of wine is that you're drinking? I can't see, hun. Sweet berry wine. <laughs> Supposed to spit it out. But no way, Jose, am I spitting this stuff out? It tastes like fruit. <laughs> Wine was invented by the Romans for orgies. And orgies are not too much fun if no one wants to do with you. Mike, you want to check Let's on Steve real wine. quick? Tell him how it tastes, Steve. All right, let's do it. Steve? Steve, are you okay over there? And there's all kinds of other wines. Peanut Noir. They got all different kinds. And that's our Shebrew. I'm Dr. Shebrew for your wine. Come here, Jenny. Jenny.